It's here, the first Ghostbusters interdimensional cross-rip t-shirt, featuring front art by Dapper Dan Shonen. Wear your support for the podcast with pride. Proceeds from sales will go to keeping the lights on and not to putting beer in our stomachs. Men's and women's styles are available. Visit GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to buy yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the crossover of the week of February 19th, 2018. Yes, we do know that the New York Toy Fair is occurring. There's a whole lot of great news, including some real Ghostbusters figures from Diamond Select, and a bunch of really cool re- reveals. We're going to talk about those next week. We've got a jam-packed double episode for you, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about the goofs of Ghostbusters 2, continuing our discussion from last week. We do have some news up at the top, and then later we'll be talking about the goofs of Ghostbusters 2. Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key master? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! I had one of these until my kid brother broke it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking, I, and I know I'll always see some Ghostbusters or something. Never necessarily something I'll ever pick up. But yeah. I, so in that case with loose action, like Ghostbusters figures and the the snappers, those ghost the jaw ones. What do they call? I can't remember. Oh, that yeah, the ones that you push the tongue and then the jaws would yeah. clamp down. Yeah. What were yeah, those yeah, called? Yeah. 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 They had those loose. Um. But then in the middle of it is was this Ecto three, and I'm telling you, you can't tell from the photo, but it was immaculate. Little dings in the corner, but the faces, like the the sides, yeah, unblemished. Like I'm just staring. No at scratches, going, no wow. nothing. Huh. It was impressive. I'm it's amazing I'm, how some of that stuff survives. Yeah. Like if it if it fell into a collector's hand, or if it was just sitting in some storage unit yeah. or a warehouse or something or how 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 does it survive like that that's what i don't understand when these things pop up like mint on card uh real ghostbusters figures that you know how i mean who had yeah. the foresight back in 86 to put these uh under lock and key and keep them nice and clean and i don't know i don't know i was always a mystery but I, i'm appreciative yeah. of it I mean, yeah, that's why I took a picture. I was like, wow, that's, I should probably share that around. Yeah. So we're sharing. Uh, I don't know why uh, Antiques may have brought it up, but did you see that the William Murray Golf Company is trying to sell bell bottoms now? Maybe it was the, the whole like consignment uh, antique thing that reminded me, but uh, I, I don't. I, <laughs> New or they're, they're scouring the thrift shops of the world for. <laughs> oh, God, that would be very hipster of them. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All of these used bell bottoms, uh, circa 1973. No, I mean these are like the William Murray Golf branded, and and there's even photos of Bill Murray himself wearing them. Which again, yeah. I think he's like the only one that could probably get away with it. I don't see you or I wearing bell bottoms, and everybody's like, those are cool bell bottoms, guys. Yeah, not true. Uh, On no. a golf course, uh-huh. it's fine because everything goes. <laughs> I guess, but even still, it's a little, it's kind of kitschy. I feel like it's a little, t- like for Bill Murray, Maybe. it works because, oh, it's it's Bill Murray's got that kind of crazy out there personality, but. Yeah, but I've, I've seen, you know, pro shops. There is some real 
crappy stuff at any given time. Yeah. Right? Like you buy that hat, you get a free bowl of soup. Yeah, <laughs> looks good on you. <laughs> hey, everybody, we're all getting laid. Um, <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> I after watching uh, a futile and stupid gesture, I had to go back and watch Caddyshack again. Oh man, <laughs> me too. I've got uh, Animal House on my DVR to watch again just to go relive that. But uh, yeah. I mean, this is not Russia, Danny. I actually, I feel like it's checked. Is this Russia? No, I thought not. Uh, <laughs> L.A. Story, cameo by uh, Chevy Chase in it. There's a lot of great cameos in L.A. Story, but for those of we were talking off the air about L.A. Story, the Steve Martin movie, before you uh, before yes. you joined us here. Uh, fantastic movie if you have not seen it. It's like Steve Martin and actually, uh, what's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker at her finest. Uh, An adorable Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. What happened? Just kidding. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that to Maria. I was like, I don't know why everybody, like, she got older and she just, yeah, she got and older. And everybody got mean about it. But this yeah. is her at her, her, uh, pertest. Uh, she's like tw- her twenty something, if that, yeah. like early twenties. Uh, what's his yeah. line? What's his line in the movie? She's not a kid. She'll be twenty seven in four years. <laughs> With a that star. Would make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Big S, little A, little N, big D, little E, big E, and the star. And the star. <laughs> God, it gets me every time. I love that movie. That's that's one of those movies when I'm having a really rough day here in Hollywood land. I'll turn that on. I actually I, I went and I had to go on a shoot and it was just the most absurd, ridiculous shoot with the most absurd, ridiculous personalities and and I was flying home, and I'm like, I have to watch L.A. Story. It's the only thing that's going to make me feel better about this. And it did. It really did, because it just puts stuff in perspective. Like, it just doesn't matter. Um, hi, I'll be your mugger for this evening. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, hi. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> <At> the ATM. <laughs> oh, that's such a good movie. Uh, having been there several times, it actually... I think you actually... I'm trying to decide if it works better if you live there or if you're less familiar with it. Like if it's an ideal in your head from the movies, does this movie work better? I don't know. I, I think, think you a kind little of to, bit of both. Yeah, I think I think the mugger thing and and all of the you know the the billboard that L.A. wants to help you. That's the kind of idealized stuff that if you don't live here, you're probably into. But then all of the the restaurant reservations and things like that that do get ridiculous. Like oh, we're we're on a waiting list. We get to go there next time uh, about this time March twenty nineteen. You know that that kind yeah. of ridiculous, stupid stuff that happens. But um, Rick Moranis yep. had a cameo in Rick it. Moranis as a grave digger. Two cameos. Oh, that's right. And yeah, because and it's not noted. I went looking in the in the Internet Movie Database in the Wikipedia. I'm sure somebody else has noticed too, but. Um, he, he, yeah, he plays the grave digger because, like, they couldn't hit us over the head with that <laughs> Shakespeare stuff enough. Uh, they had to go right to it, uh, in which he pulled a Dick Van Dyke. His accent was very good, he's but got it was a very, pretty, yeah. He, he really, he really, he's, he's like, I don't want to talk. Uh, I don't want to talk me. I want to talk somebody else. All right, fine. I'm not going to be in your movie if I don't get to. All right, fine, do it. But uh, earlier on, he's uh, on the the car radio doing his Gary Todd oh, voice. Oh, you're right. That is him, huh? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the two of them, Rick Moranis and Steve Martin, they had a pretty good, pretty good friendship. Obviously, My Blue Heaven's one of my favorite movies. But uh, yeah. yeah, 
iTunes suggested it after we watched LA Story, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that in years oh, either. That, that one really holds up too. That's a pretty what, good movie. What are the four? Because Wikipedia said that was the last of their four movies. So it was uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors, My Blue Heaven. My Blue Heaven, something in LA Story. Um, Parenthood? Is he in Parenthood? I don't think so. And he's not one of the three amigos. So. No, he's not in three amigos. I'm gonna have to come back to that. Is he's not no. in the man with two brains? No, Penny's another one heaven. I have to watch. Is he in the jerk? No, he's not no. in the jerk. Huh? This is perfect. We've set up one of those uh, wonderful uh, podcast moments where uh, we invite people <laughs> to be screaming at us. We have Kevin McDonald like it's Citizen Kane. Uh, it's Citizen Kane. Lidos. <laughs> it's. It's such and such. All right. Well, we'll come back to it. Maybe when, sure. maybe when we're talking, we'll look it up and we'll bring it up later in the uh, the podcast. But yeah, um, I will say I will say right now, uh, uh, no, I'll leave that to the final thought. Okay, <laughs> save it. All right. Well, let's planning. Let's jump in because we do have some news, uh, a good discussion point in the news, and then we have. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion of goofs last week with uh, Ghostbusters 2, uh, some of the goofs that we checked out on the IMDb, and uh, a few things to discuss in there. A lot of the ones that are for Ghostbusters 2 are continuity errors and things like that that are not yeah. very interesting. But Not uh, as much fun, but there's a couple yeah, but there. a, a couple good ones. So uh, so let's do the news, and then we'll get into our, our main discussion topic, and then your final thought that you're going to hold on to. Here we go. Hey, guys. Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. All right, so this, Chris, uh, this first item that's up on the rundown. Uh, I, I purposefully did not put it on the rundown a couple weeks ago because I thought, nah, it's old news and it pops up every whatever, once a year, once every quarter, uh, once every some other big merger happens. I feel like this rumor pops up and then we see it and we go, yeah, we've talked about it. But uh, it has been gaining some traction and and there have been some legs on it and and people were wondering why we actually didn't talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, There are rumors, once again, uh, for those of you faithful that have listened for the last three years, you know that we've spoken about this a couple of times previously, but... Uh, that Sony will be selling off all of their film assets, all of their intellectual <laughs> properties, that they're going to get out of the film business, uh, that they are feeling remiss about their purchase of Columbia Pictures and all of Sony uh, Pictures Television, and uh, they're they're going to sell it off to whoever wants it at the highest dollar amount. And uh, I I just I don't I don't think it's going to happen. No. Let me just let me just footnote this right off the bat here, but. Um, I don't, it seems like it always happens. I think this one is inspired by the whole Disney Fox merger. Last time it was when Universal was purchased by Comcast, if I remember correctly, but, uh, it, it seems to pop up all the time and it just doesn't in a perfect world. Yes, it makes sense. We're going to monopolize all of the intellectual properties. Disney will own the world. Yes. They're going to want Spider-Man eventually. I know they're coming for Spider-Man. I know that is a fact but I don't think they need to acquire all of Columbia Pictures' assets no. in order to do so. They're, Spider-Man's already in the MCU. They're already working hand-in-hand with Sony. I think that's that's good. Uh, and then, you know, Ghostbusters is a viable property. Jumanji now has proven itself to be a viable property. 
James Bond, I think Sony still has some stake in. That's so muddy. I don't even want to get into it. I have no idea who owns James Bond at this point. Um, but yeah, well, the thing is, does this mean they're getting out of movies and television? And the, the, the it's like, well, why? Yeah, like, why would they right want to now, do that? What is Sony producing? Like they have their electronics. Uh, let's let's not kid ourselves here. PlayStation Four is a powerful force in the console world. Right. That's not exactly bringing in enough cash to support, you know. Sony North America and Sony Japan. Sure, and, sure. Uh, their electronics, I guess, will persist. Sure. But, I mean, uh, it's electronics and it's it's making movies and television. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's a big arm of their income. And then at the same time, you know, they are creating these televisions, these PlayStation 4s that they need the content for. I mean, that's that's yep. the dream. Look at Apple. Apple owns the hardware and the software. They want to create the content for both of those. So that's why they've started their own streaming Netflix type service because again, it's it's all about that synergy. It's all about that monopoly. They want to own everything from top to bottom so that all the income comes their way. So Sony already has that. Why would they why would they balk at that? Why would they sell off one of those assets unless there is a desire to completely, you know, they, uh, their computer division, they decided, you know what, we're not going to make computers anymore. Just not viable for us. We're done. And then all of Sony computers was absorbed by the, the, uh, video game, uh, development company. But I just, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Also keeping in mind that Sony has international, these Sony channels, you know, they're Mm -hmm. putting these content into, uh, the, the UK and Spain and Mexico, uh, places where they've, they're syndicating ABC TV and Fox TV and, and putting it out on Sony channels. And I, yeah. I just don't, I don't see it happening. At least I don't see it happening as quickly as the Fox merger happened. Um, because Fox is sort of a different outlier. They've got their networks, they've got their film unit, but they don't really have the technology. They don't have Fox isn't trying to promote Blu-ray anymore. I mean, even though they are creating content for Blu-ray, but they have no stake in it. They don't own a company that's creating Blu-ray drives. Uh, so yeah. it's it's a little bit of a different scenario. Now, in a perfect world, would I love to see Sony s- swooped up by some other company? Yeah, probably. Look at how Disney handles their intellectual properties. Uh, they buy Star Wars and then they immediately put a Star Wars movie out every year, two Star Wars movies out a year, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Part of me has a knee-jerk reaction to that where it's like getting – how do I put this? It looks good now, but it's like everybody forgot like the Eisner era of Disney or something like that, right? right. Corporations yeah. do not stay as this, And this goes the same for Sony. Everybody's like, oh, Sony sucks. It's like, you think this is forever for some reason. I don't understand why. Yeah. And the, yeah. Same, and the same goes for Disney. So for a short period of time, everybody's like, this will be awesome. Disney, look how they're doing with the Marvel stuff. Yes, they're doing good Marvel stuff. Or or to be honest here, Marvel's doing good Marvel stuff Yeah, Marvel Disney. is still operating independently, and Disney is just sort of helping bolster that at this point, really. Yeah. All it takes is a change at a certain management level, and somebody's getting their nose in the middle of the Marvel works, and... 
you know, uh, Kevin Feige's not around forever. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody steps, like a power play, a vacuum is created, a power play is made. Somebody steps in and it all falls apart. So it's kind of like, so let me get this straight. You want one company to hold everything for a, I guess we've had, uh, it's been a 10 year run on, yeah. Cause they just had that anniversary photo shoot of the Marvel cinematic sure. universe. Yeah. 10, ten years. Year, yeah. A, a golden 10 year era. And now they're, and this is the point, like this is the point where Marvel, which everybody is, is measuring Disney by for some reason, uh, as this is where it's making a shift, right? They'll be preparing for the next 10 years and it's not the same formula, you know, production and executive wise as the first 10 years. So everybody's all excited. Like the, it, it, it feels like the corporate version of fan casting for <laughs> Ghostbusters. It really is. It changes it really every is. five years depending on who the hot comedians are. And I can, and I don't say that loose, like lightly, I can go back 20 years now and point to yeah. <laughs> this, these are the four, like, remember Ben Stiller and, um, and Sandler and Chris Rock and Chris Rock and all yeah. that. Like they just, whoever was hot at the time, they were the ones who were the most perfect ones to make the Ghostbusters movie. And it's the same thing. Everybody's like, uh, Disney's the perfect ones to make a Ghostbusters movie. And it's like, whether you like the third one or not, handing them over to somebody else, you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, could net you a good result, a good long-term result. Mm-hmm. Well, and the the crazy thing too is is all of the people that that I hear, it just in terms of Ghostbusters, that say, God, if Sony sells off Ghostbusters as an intellectual property to Disney, they'll they'll do what, exactly what we want them to do with it. They'll create the animated series. They'll put the live action movies out. They'll really crank out all the toys. It will become this no. huge giant universe. No, that's not a given. But at the also at the same time, look at Star Wars, like. I, I, for one, am, pardon the expression, but I'm like a pig in shit with Star Wars because <laughs> it's amazing. We have all these movies coming out, the Han Solo movies coming out, uh, Last Jedi, I liked, I thought it was amazing. Um, but look at the backlash now all of a sudden because there's this embarrassment of, of riches that once you have too much of a good thing, people are ODing on this sugar. That was like four metaphors, and I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's it's just like... Once you have too much of a good thing, then you start analyzing things at a, at a microscopic level and you just stop being a fan of it, which doesn't make any sense to me either. So if, if yeah. Disney were to buy Ghostbusters and put out 20 animated series and five movies and uh, all of this, this transmedia stuff, including books and comics and all every, everything that we could dream of wanting – at the same time, there is the possibility of like, okay, it's too much. Uh, oh God, I'm I'm burned out on it. That's not the way I would have done it. And all of the armchair quarterbacks would come out and start having a field day too. So, yeah, damned if you I'm do, not a, damned if you don't. In this I guess so. I'm not, I'm not a yeah. big proponent of the the it's too much either because the only reason, the only thing that dictates the speed of how content comes out is whether or not the people producing it feel like they're getting their return. If they stop getting their return, they will dial it down. So, but if you're on the other end as a consumer going, Oh, it's too much is too much. It's like, well, don't watch it for a few years. Yeah, exactly. Then like, don't tune like, in. Don't give it your money. I, I don't understand this, this, this complaint, like, 
oh, I'm all burned out. It's like, you know, it'll solve that. <laughs> Don't watch it right now. Justice League Wait. is horrible, man. I need them to stop making these movies. How many times do you see it in the theater? Six. What? Oh. Why did you go see it six times? I'm a, I'm about to, well, yeah, I'm about to make a bit of a, a left turn here, but I have to say it here. I was listening to a podcast today in which the young gentlemen that run it were talking about uh, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this, and uh, he had a, <laughs> he had a, 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 an interesting argument that, you know, uh, Netflix original had uh, kind of lost its meaning. You know, HBO, you know, makes, you know, curates their stuff and they, you know, they're picky. Yeah, HBO puts out, what, four things a year? Like, Netflix went the other way. They're putting it out as fast as they can. I mean, it's not right or wrong either way. Yeah, well, and they're also uh, acquiring things and then calling them Netflix originals, which is another tangent to talk about, but we won't get into that. Like, is that really a Netflix original? You bought that from Paramount, but okay, uh, sure. So what? Like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, whatever. It's it's Netflix original because guess what? You're not going to be seeing that on Amazon Prime or anything right. like that. Right. If that's what they feel it means, then great. I'm fine with that. Because frankly, Amazon does the same thing. We're never going to see Man in a High Castle on Netflix. So, but, uh, <laughs> This is also but, true, yeah. <laughs> but, but their whole thing, they got really, really shirty about this retooling. Like w- the way the content channels are going – I mean, from a business perspective, can you blame, especially the top dog right now in the streaming uh, uh, marketplace, uh, to find these ways to repurpose stuff, right? Like, we have Cloverfield. So if we shoot one more effect shot and do a few inserts and a little bit of ADR, ta-da, this entirely different movie is now a Cloverfield movie. It's like, great. And and these guys were really shirty about it. I was like... Have we all forgotten that Die Hard 2 was an entirely different <laughs> script that they slapped Die Hard on? Yeah. And that's just an example. But what really got me is they got to talking about Bright. Oh, yeah. And, and he yeah. literally said, we have to stop watching these things just to find out if we were right that they were bad. Otherwise, uh. they'll never learn and they'll keep making sequels. And I was like, <sighs> you realize that sequels are self-correcting. Yeah. If we all watch Bright because of the hype, or even just to satisfy our curiosity that our friends told us it was bad, and they see it as a popularity spike and make a second, and we don't bother coming back for it because we hated the first, but they just couldn't see that in the metrics, they won't make a third. Oh, That's yeah. how movies have always Worked. It's it's like the the Sharknado uh, scenario. Like everybody watched it because everybody was thinking like, oh my god, how bad could this possibly be? And then you watch the first one, and they saw this huge spike in their ratings on Sci Fi Channel, and they're like, oh my god, we got to make five hundred of these uh, movies. And I don't think that they've really caught that same popularity from that point forward. But um, no, but but here's yeah. the thing: every time one comes out. There's a lot of chatter of people going, oh, they're horrible, but I really love watching them. They're that bad. Well, it's like, see, there you well, go. Guess what? You've been, you've been served content. Ta-da. <laughs> like, you can't get mad at them for the yeah. – anyways, well, I was just getting and- really mad that, that this, this was where we were at with this thinking that – because you and I both know this – that mindset – 
ties into a certain you know movie we've spent the last three years uh, absolutely. watching. Absolutely, just because give it a that chance was and the, see. Yeah, that was their argument. It was like we can't. We we've already decided. It's like that's not how it works. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, anyhow, well, I told you I was going off on a tangent. That's okay. And and yeah, to bring it back around, I think that's that's a good point. Is Look, if if a, a merger or an acquisition were to happen and Ghostbusters were to end up at a different studio, uh, you bet top dollar that all of those executives would get into a boardroom and say, oh, we've got Ghostbusters now. What do we do to exploit it? Um, and it may or may not be in line with what your views are. You know, no. you may want something and it may not be in that direction. And uh, that's, that's just the way stuff happens. Or they'll, they'll hand it over to a creative team like Lord and Miller and, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller will come in and say, here's what I want Ghostbusters to be. And that's going to be their version of it. And that's, that's canon from this point forward. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. I'm actually excited for something like that to happen if it does, but, uh, you know, it's just, or to be Debbie Downer. It can end up in the new studio. A bunch of executives will start the process. They'll get down the line. We'll hear it's coming. There'll be a changing of the guard, and the new guys in will shelve it and ignore it because it wasn't theirs in the first place. They didn't get to touch it initially, and they don't want to continue it on because God help us all, if it somehow fails, it's all on them. So we're sitting here going, "Uh, Disney – You've had Ghostbusters for 10 years. And you've movie? done nothing. I mean, look, nothing they haven't really done a whole lot with the Muppets. They did two movies yeah. and that show, and that was about it. So, so, uh, I'm, so just, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying, I understand, especially if people weren't happy with the last movie, that this is somehow, you know, they see it as a savior. It's like, or frankly, you have just as good a chance if you hold your breath for five years, Disney will shuffle enough yeah. that somebody will come along and put something through and it'll be what you wanted. Like, it's just like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think so. I, I, I get mean, the impression. I get the impression you don't agree with me. No, I do. I totally agree. I, I think I. My, my feeling, my See, take on it. Sorry, I'm going to. It's that noise. You keep going. No, you keep going. I'm trying to find my words. I'm trying to find my words, and they're failing me. All right. I, I feel I feel like Sony is going to hold on to this until the bitter end. I have I have this crazy hunch that they will just hold on to. I mean, they will go through CEO after CEO. They'll go through president of production after president of production. Um, yeah. And 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 it's not because they're stubborn, and it's not because. You know, they're too proud to sell to somebody else, but I think it's just because they want to create, they have Crackle, they want to create content for the streaming service. They have PlayStation Network, they want to create yep. content for PlayStation Network. They have all these TV channels that they own, they have their syndicated studios, uh, they own Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and all of these shows that you have watched for years and years and years and years and years. They're not yeah. just going to let that go haphazardly uh, and and I think that's why everybody was surprised by the Fox sale because everybody's like why Fox has Simpsons and and all of these properties that they're just handing over uh, X-Men and all of the Marvel stuff that they've been grasping onto for dear life um but Fox is a very different scenario so I don't yeah. I, I, you know, I, I say this, but then at the same time, this, the stock prices are surging because all of these investors are going like, oh, yeah, Sony's going to sell. We better invest and we're going to pay dividends off later on. But um, I just I don't see it happening, at least not in the no. near future. I don't see it happening now or in the next couple of years. Maybe 
10, 15 years down the line, sure, maybe yeah. uh, Amazon comes in and buys uh, Columbia Studios or Elon Musk, for whatever reason, now owns the world and he comes in and buys uh, the Columbia Studios. Um, but Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's, it's twofold. Like you say, they have a content library ready to go for all their streaming services. Uh, and not only that one that frankly, they can get money everywhere. So they can not only fill their own streaming services, they can then also parcel it out to all the other ones as well. And it's, that's easy revenue for them. Yeah. Like how long have they had uh, Columbia TriStar? So. Yeah. Uh, or screen gems and uh, they, they own so much. TriStar so much screen stuff. gems are ridiculous. That's amount, easy. But, but I think I agree with you on Ghostbusters because at the end of the day, there's a stickum note on every executive's computer monitor that says Ghostbusters, closest thing we have to our own Star Wars. <laughs> it's because true. If you look at Sony's big thing, it's true. They don't own them outright. Like Bond is not outright theirs. Right. And, yeah. Uh, Spider Man is not outright theirs. Like Jumanji, I, I bet they're all trying to cash in on Jumanji now because it's like, that's ours. We own that yeah. outright. What do we do? Exactly, um, but you, you, how much can you do with Jumanji? I mean, yeah. they they got that one out. It was popular enough. Maybe you get a third out. I don't see much there. There's but not a there's not an animated series in there and toys and stuff like that. But Ghostbusters, they recognize they own outright, and it is a cultural phenomena. Not, maybe maybe it didn't peak the same way Star Wars did or whatever, but they recognize that. It's, it's recognizability in, in, in the public and all that is Star Wars level and they yeah. own it, you know, hook, line and sinker. So no, you don't sell that off. No, yeah, like, they're going to want to exploit that. And, and I'm sure there's, you know, Ivan and Dan and everybody at Ghost Core is probably, they just want to make content. They just want their movies to be greenlit. They want their shows to be greenlit. They're probably like, sure, what we don't care who owns the studio. We just want the green light to do these things. Yeah. So. Ultimately, uh, you know, it'll they're be working them on it. Yeah, it's them shepherding it, anyways, right? Like, yeah, it's not. They're not going to bring in uh, a, a, the equivalent of a Kevin Feige to uh, no take over Ghostbusters. It's going to be those those key stakeholders. It's it's like Back to the Future. <laughs> You're not going to do Back to the Future without Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. I'm sorry, that's just how it works. So, um, and, and I'm sure there's another stick of note that says we turned the Jimmy Stewart building into a New York fire hall. <laughs> We can't <laughs> abandon it now. We have to keep going. All of our tour guides keep telling people that Ghostbusters is coming. So, although although you and I both know that in Hollywood uh, terms, that's kind of a weird animal. That even if they did, the production company would likely just stay there. Oh no, yeah, the company yeah. would lease it off of Sony. If, if things like... go south six months from now, it will be the police academy headquarters. Uh, you know, they'll just repurpose it like Kenner did or something. But hey, small small aside here. Is, have you ever heard that uh, Paul Feig has a like a brother? No, Paul Feig has a brother. No, no, I'm asking. I, oh, I don't know. There, there yeah, was a I bit of no news idea. in Variety. Uh, 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 an executive, uh, Eric Feig, who you know, cab doors mm. and and eyeline is is his looks like his 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 perky kid brother. Oh, like. Uh. I'm I like, vaguely have a recollection of that, but I mean, also, I feel like Feig, Feig, Feige, that, that sort of, that surname might be fairly common, but at the same time, no, I don't know well, if he looks is, like him. Feige is spelled differently. Yeah. 
Feig. This is spelled the yeah. same way. It's it's Feig. And like I said, it is one of those things is like, well, boy, that's not a common surname. And they both operate in a similar industry, which is not uncommon in, in you know, certain family cases and all that. But at the same time, if they are related, it's um, – you know what? Actually, I, I, I partly put my money on maybe they're cousins too. Oh, that's true. They could be – maybe not brothers, but uh Well, see, relatives, if they were brothers, it was, it's more likely than, than not that sooner or later – one would get mentioned in the other's press somewhere. Whereas if they're cousins, it's not it's not part of the thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, brother of director Paul Feig or something like that would be in an article or yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, that's uh, I had, I never thought about that. Maybe. I don't know. Huh. Well, it's either that. that or it's a sign that uh, we do live in the Matrix. We're running out of memory. <laughs> and the and system Paul is, getting is our black cat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> they're about to attack. Uh, I've just seen another Paul Feig. They're, they're reallocating resources to something else. It's uh, a, whoa, anyway. whoa. What is it? <laughs> I just saw a guy that looks like Paul Feig. Everybody pulls out their guns. They're coming. <laughs> what? What's happening? Danger. Uh, anyway. Um, all right. Anyway. Well, let's. Uh, we've got a few more uh, bullet points here to hit, and then we're going to get into sure. our discussion topic. I want to make sure that we have like 30 minutes or so to talk about the discussion point. So, is um, everybody happy? Did we talk about Sony enough? I know, we did it. We, we, can't, we can't talk about this every single time Sony I know, changes. There's an just nothing there. It's, it it's still rumors. Yeah. Ah. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it when it actually happens. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, but well, let's talk about okay. Playmobil's Ghostbusters two toys. Those are now out on the shelves. You can buy them directly from the yeah. uh, U.S. website or a local retailer. Uh, we know our international friends, uh, the Welsh Ghostbusters, the the Dutch Ghostbusters, all those guys. They've gotten them they well in advance of us. Um, yeah, they fell off a truck. I say. Uh, but so, uh, you and I were going to do kind of like an unboxing review chat about the Playmobil stuff, uh, soon. So stay, stay tuned on that, but uh, go, go pick those up because Playmobil is doing awesome, awesome work. Um, let's really quick talk about Lego for a second though. Yeah. Uh, there's this mysterious photo. Yes. Is is it a, is it a fan creation? Is it at a Lego store? Is it? So if you don't know what we're talking about, there's like (sighs) this giant Ghostbusters international, like mega firehouse it's like i think you ballparked like six firehouse kits right yeah i tried it's counting huge. the doors is what i tried you know the the garage doors yeah there are six of those um and then there's two ectos and a helicopter oh, and oh i didn't even see the of, helicopter a, a lot of those door you know the, with the ghostbusters logo on it a lot of those door panels like in the helicopter and in other places. So my best guess is at least three ecto kits. That's like three grand worth of stuff there, no matter how you cut it. It was well. And where where did this photo come from? Is this somebody at a no shop? Idea. Oh, okay. No idea. The person who posted it, it was one of the one of those various Facebook uh, groups, fan groups. Uh, might have been collectors, Ghostbusters collectors yeah. worldwide or something like that. I can't remember offhand. And whoever posted it didn't take credit for it, but their reaction when they posted it was same as ours. Like it was one of those, wow, check this out. So I don't think it's theirs either. And I did a huh. uh, reverse image search uh, in a couple of places and it never it never showed up. So it's, you know, I, I, I guess that to me suggests that 
it is a Lego fan that maybe posted on a Lego board somewhere or something. Yeah. So the search engines, it's not all over the place. Whereas if it had been like in a, you know, a blog article or something like that, and it had spread around these, these, there'd be multiple hits that would kind of point you back to where it started. But, uh, it's, um, I don't know. It's impressive enough in its size. Um, Oh, that's true. Cause they had both the old and the new, both ectos. I, I think they had the. I don't think they had the new. No, they might not have had the new Ghostbusters. Well, uh, I wonder if but, it was one of those like when you go to the Lego store and they have those custom creations that are kind of built like in the display cases and up on the shelves yeah. and you know they have like at Disneyland they have the giant Buzz Lightyear and the giant uh, Beauty and the Beast uh, display and things like that. It would certainly go a long mm. way because those Lego creators, the 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 talented fans that they end up contracting out to to do various things it would make a lot more sense that one of those guys could reverse engineer what they wanted <laughs> parts wise without having to bash kit no i'm serious like <laughs> no sorry i just got it it's go ahead go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you <laughs> we laminate they can <laughs> they can bash one or two of the actual kits but then just say i need a thousand you know, red, uh, long, I don't know what the nomenclature is for the, you know, the, the two by twos and stuff. Whatever like the that. bricks like they, are. Yeah. They know what the bricks are and they just request the types and the colors and they, and then they build it up. They just duplicate certain structures from the design of the, the Ghostbusters fire hall over and over using the, cause I mean the Ghostbusters fire hall with the exception of like the door pieces and a couple other things, it's like every other Lego kit by and large, it's just taken from the library of parts. So yeah. I don't know but, if, uh, if you, if you have any information out there, everybody, or whoever took the photo, tell us where you've yeah. found it. Yeah. We want to know more about it. It's impressive regardless. I, I actually see the thing is, is now that I think about it though, if it was in a store, you think we would have seen. You know, it's the social media age. You think yeah, more, more than photos, one person would have taken a picture, something. right? So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Go know. check it out on the Proton Charging yeah. Facebook page. But uh, I, I was laughing, Chris, forgive me. I got a text from <laughs> my friend who is a as big of a Steve Martin fan as I am. And I sent him a text like, what are the four movies that Steve Martin and Rick Moranis have been in? It's not Parenthood, right? And he responded... Rick Moranis was in Parenthood, you uncultured swine. <laughs> so that's that's what I was laughing at. It's been a while since well, I've seen Parenthood, so I guess I forgot that. Apparently, he was that's the last time you talked to that friend. So I that's guess a shame. so. Yeah, sorry, that's Ryan. We're not friends anymore. If you're listening to this, <laughs> I don't know why you be. It sounded like he dropped you. Let's be fair. He dumped you. <laughs> he dumped me. He started Wor- it. Worst Valentine's Day ever. He dumped you. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. I'll drink to that. Uh, all right. So a couple more bullet points, uh, proton pins, uh, it's going to sound like we're being uh, sponsored by proton pins and ecto crank. So I f- forgive us guys, but I just love the stuff that they're doing. Yeah. But, uh, proton pins has some great, uh, Ghostbusters name tags for the first and second movie that they're selling. They're awesome. Uh, you have to buy all eight of them because they're so cool. Uh, go go check those out. Ecto Crank was doing a Valentine's Day sale that uh, will be long over by the time that you guys hear this. But uh, yeah, again, any, just any, like fans doing amazing work, so I, I want to call attention to it as much as we can. Anybody out there that's building a battle jacket, and as per you know episode ages ago, yes, and I know yeah. a couple people are. Man, if you're not paying attention to Ecto Crank and uh, Proton Pins to see what they're pumping oh, out, you gotta. Can you imagine like a you know you stack. 
side but two rows for four by two of the name tags <laughs> as pins. Just, just, just right there. They're yeah. tiny, right? They're not. They're, they they're kind of like look a, like little uh, admirals pins, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So to arrange them like that, like man, that'd be amazing on like a a denim uh, punk jacket or something yeah. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the battle jackets. I think it was the Manitoba Ghostbusters. They somebody was at an ice rink and they had an awesome like Ghostbusters hoodie. It was like yeah. a blue zip up hoodie that had the name tag and the the patch on it, and oh, I, was, I was so jealous. But uh, so yeah, check check out Proton Pins. They're doing amazing work, and they're they're also working with a lot of the franchises too. So uh, definitely worth calling out because I know they did the Dallas Fort Worth guys pins and and things like that. So check out yeah, Proton I saw, Pins. Saw a picture of those. Those were amazing. They're really they're great. They're just uh, again we're we're spoiled. We're really spoiled. I think uh, we need to do a like a proton charging pin. That's what I think. Oh yeah, or our cross rip pin. Both. Oh, Let's do both. There you go. Hey, proton pins, ecto crank. You guys listening? <laughs> we need help. What's uh, the What's the lowest run number you can do? <laughs> yeah, I think you know maybe we can sell as many as the t-shirts, which I can count on two hands. <laughs> but please buy t-shirts, guys. There. Uh, anyway, um, but. Uh, okay, speaking of being spoiled, let's talk about uh, IDW Comics very quickly here. Uh, the annual will be on shelves next week, the 28th. I can't wait for that because it's a lead-in to Crossing Over, which uh, the hype is real. I mean, everybody is hyping Crossing Over like it's going to be a big deal, and I feel like it yeah. is going to be a big deal. So, um, you know, like we've seen Brian Shearer's cover that's got all of the Ghostbusters, including... Real Ghostbusters, Winston, Answer the Call, Ladies, uh, IDW, Egon, Ray, Kylie. It's it's awesome. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about it. Eric Burnham has teased a little bit. He he actually he threw a, a riddle up that I thought you and I could really quickly dissect here, Chris. I don't know what it means, but he said, "Do you want a clue about what Ghostbusters crossing over is really about? Here is an anagram. It will not be easy, but the answer is within militant law truer." A seamless query. This, I don't. <sighs> Fine and militant. Militant law truer. Law truer. Okay. A seamless query. This. So, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet. So the two sentences are probably still broken up. So militant law truer is where we should probably start here. Okay. Wanted ruler. <laughs> Eric, you're killing us here. Militant law truer. War. time this, this is fantastic yeah boy i don't know i thought maybe you and i would look at this and be like oh we we got this i don't know if we're gonna get this a seamless query this maybe the second sentence will help us measles measles stack <laughs> Mm. <laughs> if crossing over is about all of the Ghostbusters getting measles, that's going to be quite the letdown. Uh, um, hang on a sec here. Okay. Militant law truer, a seamless query. This little want. 
Is alternate in there? Alternate. Yeah, alternate would work. Alternate. Alternate embedding. That's one of them. And then, all right, so we've got A L T. Alternate time. Can right. can we get time out of that? Yeah, N. we can. No, no, we're missing an There's E. There's a W in. Yeah. We're missing another A. Mm. No, 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 we're not. A. We're missing another E. Yeah. Yeah. We would need alternate time. <sighs> oh, boy. Well, all right. Well, let's... <laughs> rather rather than dragging our poor listeners out as we try to figure yes. this out, I thought, I thought we would surely, between our two brains, come to a conclusion on this, but You, you thought appears. he came up with an anagram that you and I could crack, you know, yeah. in a scintillating 20 seconds on the Unfortunately podcast. not. So uh, we'll come Blech. back to it. Do you guys know what it is? Uh, hit up the voicemail. Uh, again, with like the uh, guys, Late. Rick Moranis was in Parenthood. Late Latin writ rum. There, cracked <laughs> right. it. Late Latin writ rum. Sold. Now we need to look up the Latin for writ rum and figure that out. Uh, but Rainwater uh, lilt tum. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously not going to get it. All right, let's talk about Lateral the, nitwit rum. Got it. Oh, done. <laughs> Eric, that's totally what you meant, right? Mmm, rum. Tamale uh, twirl turn? <laughs> Uh, that's obviously what it is. That's obviously what it is. All right. So let's, let's just leave it there. Let's leave it there and let's segue into our, our main discussion topic here so that we have a few minutes to chat about it. But uh, sure. to, to get us there, Chris, let's segue in with uh, a piece of a piece of music. I think something that you uncovered in your search for still trying to find that uh, lobsters on the loose from the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Oh, this is going to be my final thought. But okay. Oh, that's your final thought. All right. <laughs> we can go into it now. Well, do, you wanna, uh, or do you mind going into it now? Because we can use it. If you have the audio, we can go into it. Sure. We can uh, use it right here. Uh, see, okay, let me ask you. Do you recall a song? Uh, when would it have been? Probably Ghostbusters 2 era. Okay. So like 88, 89. 89. Yeah. 88. Uh, called uh, I Beg Your Pardon. I Beg Your Pardon. No, not, not off the top it, of my head. It was kind of like Poppy New Order doing a like a remix remix cover of um, that old uh, what's her name Lynn Anderson song Rose Garden. Oh, I, I that one. I beg your pardon. I never, yeah, I never mm. promised you a rose garden. I don't. <laughs> yeah, so you don't remember? I don't recall that. No. See, uh-uh. I, see, I wouldn't. I, I assumed you wouldn't have. It, it was. It was by a Canadian uh, DJ producer, um, and he, the group that he formed to do this was called uh, uh, Concan uh, with K's, K O N K A N. Yeah, it was catchy and like a very, very New Ordery. So if you're a New Order fan, like. Uh, Kind of fits right there. I know. I I knew a lot of friends who were new New Order fans that loved it. Uh, uh, but anyways, it gets to this this bridge, <laughs> and uh, it goes to the bridge with this breakdown. It's got some very common samples of you know crowds. You know that's right, <laughs> and all this all these things. But it starts with a guy going, "Do you want the hustle? <laughs> Do you want the salsa?" <laughs> that so eighty eight till now. What is that? Thirty years. Yeah. That thing just lived in my head <laughs> until I'm listening to uh, 
the National Lampoon albums, and yeah. on one of their greatest hits is a song called Disco Hotline, and it starts with a guy, a Spanish speaker, do you want the hustle? Do you want the salsa? And then he breaks into some nonsense Spanish about <laughs> about what choice of music do you want? I'm listening to like I'm listening to going to sleep, and I snap awake, and I'm like, because at that point I was like, why do I remember what it? I know him. Where is he from? It took me another two days to go. Oh, Kong can. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm very good at at a, only a short list of things in my life, uh, and one of them is I retain musical samples forever. Like I'll be listening to a song and I'll go, ah, that it's was just in embedded. That, yeah, yeah, wow, that was in that cool Modi song. You know, eighteen million years ago. So. Huh. All right. Well, yeah. shout, shout out to Adriana in Ontario. If there's anybody out there that maybe knows what the hell I'm talking about, it's probably her. Well, why don't we play Let's play a little bit of the song. Sure. What, so this was Con Can, and what was the name of the song again? Uh, it's referred to as either I Beg Your Pardon I beg your or pardon? I Beg Your Pardon bracket. I never promised you a rose garden <laughs> close bracket. All right. So here it is to take us into our, our main discussion topic. Enjoy. Do you want to hustle? I'm not kidding you. They, they, that's the first t- two things he says on this track. And my brain nearly exploded because that's what starts the bridge. And after this, and it goes to this breakdown of like bongo drums and all this. Do you want the salsa? That's right. Ah, do you want the salsa? It's like, oh my Oh man! All right, well, uh, let's let's use that same energy to get us into uh, the goose of Ghostbusters. The goose of Ghostbusters too. So, as we discussed last week, we we talked about some of the goofs according to the Internet Movie Database last week. I'm not done with the song yet. He's gonna keep going. He's gonna keep going. Uh, all right, so what what do we think that Ghostbusters Two has in store for us? When you're going to hear the song, internet, whether you like it or not, he's going to keep going. He's going to keep going. He's <laughs> um, well, I would like to start with. I noticed uh, one of them in there is they talk a bit about the Statue of Liberty's height is incorrectly. Yep. Uh, uh, I'm like, that's, that's on the ones that I selected here for us to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I wish you had dates on when they was added because this one seems awfully familiar. <laughs> well, here, I'll, I'll read what that one is. And then sure. maybe Chris, you, I mean, you've talked about it in previous episodes, so we can just <laughs> refer them back to previous episodes of the CrossRip. But uh, this one says at about an hour and 25 minutes, the Statue of Liberty is shown at one point wading through water up to her chin. In fact, the waters of New York's upper bay are a maximum of 45 feet deep. Given that the statue is 111 feet tall from tip to toe, her waist, oh, the water should have been no deeper than her waist. But the line said in the statue's head gives how this can, the line said in the statue's head gives how this can be the case. 
I, I don't know what they were going for there. Yeah. When we hear Venkman say, keep kicking Libby, Libby, indicating that she was swimming, not walking, although the sound of the footsteps is still obviously heard. First of all, we need to rewrite that one. That needs a good copy edit there. <laughs> Secondly, uh, we can kick out the Venkman line because Murray is just babbling away. I don't think he yeah, meant that. Keep you... kicking Libby. I think that's also like kick it, kick it with a tasty groove. You know, that's, yeah. that's Venkman being cool. That's not him well, saying yeah, like paddle or, faster. Or just keep moving. Like yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, but you, you, this was one of those things that tasked you. God, it was about this time last year, if I remember correctly, that you, Probably, you went yeah. and you researched it and you drew some diagrams and it became a huge, like, yeah, it was a very uh, slow Fox Mulder moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what was the explanation to this one? That it was just sort of uh, movie magic that they wanted the waters to feel deeper or what, what was the conclusion that you would come to there? Framing. Fra- uh, framing. You, you want to, you want to show that they're, they're walking her over from Ellis Island to, uh, to, you know, lower Manhattan there. And they're in and, the crown of her head. And they're in the crown of her head. So basically yeah. you need the crown of her head to be as close as to the water as possible. So when you do that kind of, you know, the long shot of her head and them, you know, you see the water line, you see where they are and all this, as opposed to if she was walking waist high, if you pull back far enough to see that she's partially submerged, there are tiny dots in the head. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Just, just a framing thing. Framing, getting the, them into the widescreen aspect, or actually, I guess Ghostbusters two is scope, but uh, getting them into that widescreen aspect ratio to put everything that Ivan Reitman wanted in the frame there. Plus, they had already built yep. the set with them in the crown, uh, so they had to. They were tied into that too. That well, makes a lot only, of sense. It's, it's the only natural place to to kind of drive from, anyways. It's not like she has portholes anywhere else. I, I had a moment where I was like, yeah. well, she's French. Like, there's a couple of places, you know, I, I, I could think <laughs> that a Frenchman with a sense of humor could have put a couple of portholes, but uh, uh, that's neither here nor but there. Yeah. Uh, Somebody, well, it's, actually it is here or there, but that's, we're not talking about that. Well, uh, and, It's and, here and there. Yeah. There was, there was also like on IMDb, there was the, like they surmised that Libby gets down on all fours to crawl off of the island and into the bay, and I'm like, what? Why? Come on, guys. Really? We we kind of talked about this too because they brought it up because there's the line about if she walks any faster, uh, the vibrations will shake her apart. And so the vibrations of jumping from the island into the bay, <laughs> what did that do to her? Is the well, no, the the pedestal that she's on is quite high. <laughs> it yeah. kind of came up when we were we were talking about her height in the water. Is that she's quite high? Like we kind of just glo- they they glossed over the fact that how the heck did she get down off her pedestal? Because it's <laughs> yeah, pedestal to the island to the bay. There's it's two some, steps there that she had to take. It's like as th- well, no, it's it's quite it's quite. She's quite tiny, is what it comes down to. Like people kind of, um, just sort of timing wise. Somebody last night or the night before on Twitter made some uh, crack about it was unrelated to Ghostbusters, but it was about uh, Godzilla or something like that. And then somebody made a crack that the Ghostbusters could fight Godzilla in in the in the Statue of Liberty, and it's kind of like she's tiny. He would step on her. Like, she's not that big. <laughs> she's quite big when you put a bunch of humans in the head. But even then, I think at the time we talked about how they kind of fudged the scale. The scale, yeah. 
And in this Twitter uh, feed, I jumped in after two or three people were chattering back and forth about it. And somebody pointed out that for Cloverfield, uh, speaking of Cloverfield again, um, wow, there's a lot of time to buy a lotto ticket because yeah. synchronicity wise, woo, this episode. Um, for like one of the shots, uh, either of her head when it comes rolling down the street or one of the publicity shots or something like that. Yeah, where it like she flew is, through the air or something. Yeah. She she is 300% uh, her normal size. They, 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 they skewed with the scale of her to make it work the way they wanted it to work. Because at the end of the day, it's one of those side effects of film that the Statue of Liberty is on a very short list of things that live in our, you know, visual head as this giant iconic thing when in reality it's much simpler than that, yeah, much like smaller Mount than Rushmore. that. Yeah, Rushmore. You go to Mount Rushmore and you're like, I thought it was a lot bigger than this. That's actually no. quite small. Yeah. And it, it feeds in your head. Like Mount Rushmore, we're like, it must have taken them centuries and, you know, millions <laughs> of men. And, and then you hear and it's like, and it was like 20 guys. How? They must have been gods. It's like, oh, that's... They just carve smaller heads uh, than we thought. Small, yeah. Um, <coughs> All right, that makes sense. But so, um, yeah, so that that's one I thought. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, we got to yeah. flag that one. <laughs> uh, but then another one that I, I think is kind to of continuing. F- to be fair, hmm. I don't want to steal from whoever put this in there. They do mention New York's Upper Bay, so at a minimum, uh, you know, on the off chance that they saw what we were talking about. Um, uh, they obviously went and did a little checking on their own because I never referred to the Upper Bay at all. Oh, they expanded upon the Bay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but more likely than not, I think I I think what we just saw was parallel parallel thinking. I, <laughs> you know, I do like to think of myself as a genius, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think this was something that a, more than more than one person would yeah. go. Wait Great a minds minute. do think alike, right? Yeah. Um, great, great minds do Google when they're bored. <laughs> this is also true. Well, so speaking of great minds thinking alike, this also continues discussion that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, discussing that great article that surmised or, or posited that uh, the Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 are dead based on the events of the first movie. Um, they say it is established that nobody believes in the Ghostbusters or the paranormal at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2. However, in the first movie, it clearly showed the citizens of New York being terrorized by ghosts, witnessing the events of Marshmallow Men, and the supernatural forces in the sky above the skyscraper where Gozer is entering Earth. Reporters were even shown filming these events, but just five years later, and nobody believes in them anymore. <laughs> So that's that's yeah. exactly what we talked about. Yeah. And and exactly what's in the article that was discussed as well is to why is that if something this cataclysmic, this monumental, like if aliens landed on earth, how do people forget about it 5 years later? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh and and I still don't quite get that. I don't understand that and I think even Harold Ramis at one point did call that out as one of the biggest faults of the movie that you know, they wanted these guys to be the underdogs again. They wanted to show them coming up and and sort of rebuilding from the ground ground up again. So they had to find some way to make them frauds and have them discredited. And but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's and and hat tip to Ghostbusters answer the call because they tried to attempt to explain why this phenomenon would occur. You know, that whole scene in the the um, 
in the mayor's office where they're talking about the people that have turned inside out and nobody knows about it or a whole whole city disappears and it's completely unexplained. Um, and, and the public is so that there's not mass hysteria. The public is told that it's something else or they're, uh, quickly debunked as being false so that, you know, the, the public doesn't freak out. So I guess we could maybe fill in the blanks there that the government thought that it would be too cataclysmic for everybody to start believing in the paranormal and, they discredited the Ghostbusters and they called them out as frauds. And these guys caused in the explosion of a building, you know, like a David Copperfield type uh, illusion event. And then all of the witnesses that were there, I don't know how we discredit them. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's a big stretch. It's a big stretch. I've always just accepted the fact that this is, I mean, they point out, you know, why don't people believe in ghosts when, you know, there are, were news cameras there. It's like, well, yeah. what did the news cameras see? My dad Stay- says you're full of crap. Well, your they dad saw, saw the, the news footage, so... Yeah. Well, maybe. See, this is the thing, right? Like, we we assume... We live in a social media age, and we forget sometimes that... Well, even now, we forget that just because we saw it on social media doesn't mean everybody's aware of it. And this is pre-social media. So, news cameras are at... Dana's place. They see the Ghostbusters go in. They see an explosion. They see uh, Stay Puffed. Uh, although, given that Stay Puffed is running up, there's, you know, and people are running in panic. We've all seen news cameras in, you know, runny, panicky situations. So, how good was the shot? Maybe one good shot and then a lot of wait, what was that? Um, and then uh, it, you know, went out on the news. What did they show? How much did they show? How many yeah. times did they show it? Did everybody tune in? Manhattan. Did people itself. see that news? Yeah. Did they see that news? So, and then if they didn't, did they record it? Who records the news? Let's be honest. So maybe one or two copies existed. They get tape traded over the years. At the end of the day, yeah, some people saw it and know what they saw. And I think a lot of people would see it and then spend a lot of time trying to rationalize it because that's what we do. So I've always said that I can see that in five years – if there's no more ghost activity to keep them in the the forefront, which is what's suggested, right? They've all had to go find other jobs and all that. It's pretty easy to believe that, yeah, Manhattan's got a bunch of people running around going, no, I saw a giant marshmallow man. Yeah, right, And a bunch did. of other people have went, yeah, and, and, and then that's what it comes down to, too. Like, if you're one person out of per what millions or whatever that goes, but I saw a giant walking marshmallow and the world goes, well, you're crazy, but you probably yeah. stopped talking about it. Like, like I, I can honestly believe that under the right circumstances within five years and nothing to keep fueling the, that whole thing, it just goes away. Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, and I guess that's, that's also our short attention spans too. Like uh, cataclysmic events happen and then how quickly are they forgotten? Um, yeah. you know, well, uh, here, the, the challenger explosion. And then, you know, it was a huge, I mean, I remember watching that news and it was a, a big deal. And then, yeah, you know, f- a few years later you forget about it, uh, which is sad to say, but you know, you forget that the challenger exploded. You, we, you don't think about yeah. it on a daily basis. Again, the, the existence of the paranormal, I feel would probably be a little bit, more impactful again like an alien landing first contact with aliens would be something that was on national news was yeah. discussed ad nauseum 
So then a kid has to be, say, six to maybe have a recollection of the events happening. Five. Yeah. How long has it been since that happened? Uh, so five how many years later. It's yeah. no, well, not even five years later. Like by now, we're looking at generations of kids that. Well, sure. They may have heard of it. They may not have seen the video. Uh, worse yet, I think people who were even alive at the time have. I find myself sometimes looking at footage going, wait, was that the first shuttle to explode or the second? Because yeah. I'm having trouble. I can't. No, okay. That's definitely the shot from the first one. That one is from the second. No, that was from the first. Like, it's just, it's all. Yeah. It's very easy for these things to get well, jumbled up. And, so. and we live in an era, even with social media and the, the wealth of, of information that is at our fingertips, we live in an era where people think the earth is flat. So it's like, so there you go. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Have you ever seen the video of the exploding whale? Uh, no. The exploding yeah. whale? So. On a, like a beached whale that explodes yeah. because of the gas? No. Huh? No, no, but, not, not from the gases. So uh, late 70s, early 80s, um, a, bit, a whale washes up. Uh, they try to figure out what they're going to do with it. It's dead. It washes up and it's right. dead. And blow it up. Uh, yeah. People, crowds come to go watch, you know, to watch. News shows up because the city or whatever, I, I guess this is probably Cape Cod area or something. I can't remember. They decide, not a problem. We will blow it to smithereens and then the seagulls will take care of the carcass yeah. for us. Oh, and whatever's God. left, we'll haul it oh, away. Oh, God, no. And they're there for it. Yeah. They blow it up. Whales do not vaporize very yeah, no, well. No. But what does happen is we have a fantastic 30 seconds of video of people screaming and yelling oh, and running no. from massive chunks of whale raining oh, from the skies. No. Including one half a meter long piece that is so big it staves in the oh. trunk of a car parked. I don't know, 50 meters away or something oh, like that. Now, that was in exactly this area. There's no digital. There's no internet. Yeah. But let, let's be honest. <laughs> Somebody caught it and went, I'm keeping this. Uh, then I go to university. The internet is in its early era. But you could go buy magazines that had yeah. discs, CD-ROMs on them. And one of them was... Th- you know, why waste your, hey, you, why spend $100 downloading off of AOL? <laughs> We've put the 100 best video clips. Here's all this, the videos. Yeah. And it is. I remember that. Tiny. But I, that's where I first saw it. And it's out there. If you go search it on YouTube, I'm sure you'll find two or three copies of oh, it. Oh, God. If you but want my, to. Gross. My point is, is like, that is the best case scenario for weird uh, thing that people would definitely want to see if it was out there and they knew of it. Well, have you heard of it? Not many people have. Yeah. Have you seen it? Not many people have gone to see it, right? Like it's the best case scenario. It was pre-digital and it survived and it made it to the digital era and it's still not that well known anymore. And as time goes on, it's kind of fading away. Yeah. So I don't know. We're not we're not very good at at remembering these things. We're terrible at it <laughs> we're, as a we species. Have very short term memories. Uh, yeah. Well, but I got uh, to talk about an exploding whale. You did get Yay! to. That's I had Bucket no idea list. about that. So there you go. Uh, well, okay. So let's let's move. We uh, we're running long again, but that's okay. Uh, let's let's talk about. Here's one that I can quickly discount. They, they sure. call this out as a plot hole. 
They say people still don't believe the Ghostbusters that they found slime in the underground at the trial many days later, but in order for the real electricians to get the city lights working again, they would have to go underground to do all the repairs in the exact location where Ray caused the damage, and they would have discovered the river of slime for themselves. Uh, I would point whoever wrote this one toward the one line of the con ed guy who says, whatever it is, they must have put it there. Granted, it is physically impossible for them to have put an entire river of slime underground. Uh, but he does. He talks about, you know, I've worked in Con Ed for all these years, and whatever this is sure beats the hell out of me. Whatever it is, they must have put it there. So these these guys are, they want to bury the Ghostbusters for whatever reason. Plot-driven device here. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're quickly, uh, saying that the Ghostbusters did it. So that's, that's why that's an easy one to discount. I feel like they, yeah. it's not that they don't believe that there's a river of slime. They've seen the river of slime. It's that they think the Ghostbusters put it there. And then I guess because it's New York city, <laughs> they just forget about it. They're like, well, whatever, it's not hurting anybody. So we'll leave it there. It's, it ain't no problem. I think we got to back up a bit and remember too, that it is very unlikely that one guy can kick one conduit underground and short out an entire the entire, entire city, city. Yeah. and that's before we get to the bit that even if he did manage to knock out the city i'm pretty sure they could bring the city back up and it leaves maybe that block and i'm pretty sure that you might be able to even to route around it so assuming they're in front of the <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break this to you, but Ghostbusters 2 is a movie. There's no way in hell they'd end up in court within 24 hours like that. But yeah, uh, where we're talking about the Statue of Liberty uh, emerging from a pedestal, walking through a bay and through the streets of Manhattan. There's uh, a lot of suspension of disbelief on. going on. Yeah. Just, just go with it that Ray can knock out the city and that maybe they got most of it back up. Like I could argue that maybe they haven't even gotten down to that bit yet. Most of the city's up and running. One building is still without power. Uh, the guy in the court isn't the guy that's down in the hole. So maybe while the court case is going on, there's a guy in a hole going, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, there's, a, I noticed you and I will probably run into this as we go through the list. There's a lot of these weird little things that you have to stare at it and go, it's a movie. Like it yeah, just, it's just a it movie. was, it was done to move things along. Yeah. <laughs> really? And I, I feel like that's like the next one that's on my list. I feel like is, is easily discounted as guys. It's just a movie. How many did I, you pick by the I way? I picked four. I got one. Okay, what's your, I got two more. What's your next one? What's your next So one? the toaster, the dancing toaster with the toast. All right. Yep. So this one is under there, incorrectly regarded as a goof. Uh, at about 39 minutes, when the toaster is dancing, Ray puts the slime in the toaster on top of anything that would be inside. When the toast pops out while the toaster is dancing, the toast looks like toast without any sign of slime. However, we do know that he moves the toaster to another location, so there's no reason he could not have put bread in and pushed it down before playing the song. The... <laughs> So, all right, <laughs> let's talk about the logistics of a dancing toaster for a second here. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, as a kid, I was like, well, where did the toast come from? I guess it's just paranormal. It created toast out of thin air. It's there for comedic purposes. It's the punctuation for the, the dance beat. Um, 
would Ray have put bread into the toaster before he made it dance? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he knew that that was part of the routine that the, the toaster was about to, to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know what this, this, yeah. The, of all the things like the toast popping out of the toaster without any slime on it. I'm like, ah, um, I don't know. See the force is, and a lightsaber only goes yay high because, I I don't know guys it's a movie it's a joke it's just a joke I don't I got I got nothing for that one the um yeah this came up when we were talking about answer the call where people were like it's too slapsticky and I know you and I addressed this before too that both the first and second have their fair share of callbacks Harold Ramis is on record as a fan of the Marx Brothers and all that sort of thing yeah yeah some of the comedy in this is just for the sake of a joke You're and this is a perfect the example they made a toaster dance and you know it would be funny if at the end of it it pops up toast and it catches the toast I bet that was <laughs> a thing that happened on the day while they were shooting there and Ivan's like I want the toast to pop out of this and the special effects guys were like okay I think we can do that yeah it's just funny it's and yeah it's, it's and, just a and joke yeah. you kind of kill it when you start going wouldn't it have slime on it and it's like well, wouldn't it be funny if you stopped staring at the toaster so hard <laughs> jeez oh man so mm. yeah I, I that one I don't know it's just a movie that's that's why I brought that one up next I just I feel like it's it's just a movie it's I don't know what movie. to tell you it's just a movie um, all right. So the last one that I had was, uh, at 36 minutes when the Ghostbusters leave the firehouse on the way to respond to the haunting of the crystal store, Egon and Winston are wearing tan uniforms while Ray and Peter are wearing dark gray uniforms. The different colored uniforms are also shown in Ecto-1 when they're on the way to the store at the store. However, all four Ghostbusters are wearing the dark gray uniforms. Yeah. Uh, continuity error. I mean, that's, we didn't talk about continuity errors for the first movie last week, uh, because that's just, it, it's to be expected. And especially in a big montage like this, I think they're piecing things together from a whole bunch of shoots that they just happened to catch yeah. on this day at this part of the week. And then later they grabbed this part at this day at this part of the week. Uh, so continuity gets a little dicey. Um, but what I re- what I really like. sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I go ahead. What what did you really I was, like? What I really liked about this Ghostbusters two list is that it I hadn't really thought about it until I'm reading through some of these things. I haven't dissected Ghostbusters two to the same level as the first movie. Yeah, like there's a lot of these little goofs, like you know, you see you got you know you see one of the crew's arms, and I was like, I never, you I never do? saw that. I've never like, seen that. When? Yeah, and this is a perfect example as of. I've never noticed. Yeah, it's obviously a little editing continuity error that they've hoped. Ah, eh, nobody will notice it. Uh, I, whereas I've stared at Ghostbusters enough, I've seen all the little bits that they hoped nobody would notice. Um, this this one has a lot of similar things too. Like there's a lot of people talking, and you're not hearing them while you hear. You know, you know, ADR not matching mouth. It, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, various that's ADR. Things. That's what they do. You know, I, I'm like, I never noticed. Like, I just have obviously Kevin watched it the same or as heavily as I have the first one. So, yeah. Uh, while it doesn't have these weird little goofs to it, it has enough of these just general movie making goofs that I'm like, man, I gotta go watch this. Movie yeah, I kind of want to go back and rewatch. I mean, there have been a lot of reasons that lately I've wanted to go back and rewatch Ghostbusters too. We had one of our listeners out there. Uh, 
tell you and I, Chris, that they want us to review that, uh, well, not review, but kind of go through and talk about the 1988 production draft of Ghostbusters 2 because it's so different from what ended up being filmed. Uh, I just, I, I've found a new appreciation for Ghostbusters 2, and maybe it's because of the toys and all of this talk about the anniversary that's coming up next year. And yeah, and, and I mean, I've always, I've had a, a soft spot for Ghostbusters 2. It was the first movie, uh, first Ghostbusters movie, I should say, that I saw, you know, in the theaters. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't feel like I've given it the same treatment that I've given the first movie. And I feel like no. it, it, it deserves it. For all of the yeah. flack that it gets, I feel like it deserves that attention to detail and that attention to I know. analyzing and things like that. I, I had on my list, one of the things going back to the Statue of Liberty is Ben Stein <laughs> at some oh, point yeah. is pointing at a picture. We haven't made a dent. Yeah. They haven't made a dent. They're talking about the museum. It, apparently it's the, the pedal Statue of Liberty's pedestal. I'm like, I've never noticed that. <laughs> that <laughs> I need to that go back is and one look I've down. seen. Yeah. It's the, it's the empty pedestal. And that one I've always been really curious about. What? Yeah. Why would he be holding a photo of the pedestal? Maybe they didn't have the location for the art museum locked in yet, so they gave him just what they thought would work as a generic building. But it's it's the empty Statue of Liberty pedestal. So it yeah. almost leads me to believe that it's like ADR for a scene later where they're like, these guys moved the statue of Liberty and they didn't put it back, you know, and and they had to yeah. ad lib something in there. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I only had a couple of particular ones here. Um, the one about the uh, uh, examining Oscar, the Apgar score. Oh yeah. The Apgar score. Now I know that one well now having a newborn. Of uh, course. Yeah. Uh, if, for those of you without uh, a child, Apgar is basically within seconds of your child coming into the world. They have this, uh, I guess it was a doctor, Dr. Apgar. Dr. Apgar, yeah. Came up with a list of here's the things you need to go check on a baby real quick and score. And, you know, because they're tiny you, you, and, you know, sometimes you got to you know, get some stuff up and running as fast as possible. Like, are they breathing enough, et cetera. So this Apgar test is a very simple one of, you know, how alert are they? Uh, the simplest is the old slap the baby on the bum and they cry. That sort of yeah. thing. That's not really yeah. the Apgar test, but that was what that what was a precursor to was, you know, if you slap the baby, the baby doesn't cry. Something's wrong with the baby. Yeah, um, no, it's like he hearing and uh, responsiveness and things like that. Yeah. Things like that. So yeah. they're doing an Apgar test on a child that's like six months old, <laughs> three to six months old. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a little too late. But the person who wrote it up said, this is a gag to show that the guys don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, I don't think I've considered either of those characters like they, I don't think they enter into anything where they don't think they know what they're talking about. Like, well, yeah. What are they doing there? Are they trying to establish a baseline, like a, a scientific baseline for Oscar for his normalcy? Yeah. Here's his normal state. They don't re refer to it as the Apgar test, though, do they? I don't. Yes, there I, is. There is well, a reference. I, I I saw that one too, and I kind of I was like, do they really refer to it as an Apgar test? I kind of I skimmed over that one because I was like, I don't think they actually. I'm kind of wondering, especially when it comes down to like this person is kind of read into what they're trying to do, and then taking it a step further by saying that it's a failed gag or a gag that means that they don't know what they're talking about. But I I think it's just Ackroydisms again. I think it's just yeah. Ackroyd going, well, it's a baby. 
we just want to see how, you know, check some baby vitals. So one of the simplest ones is, and it is kind of a joke, is, you know, baby ticklish. You know, it's like, <laughs> which, let's be honest, that is kind of a test. If you take yeah. your child in and say, I don't know, my child seems listless or whatever, or, or you know, can't hold attention. It's like, dig, dig, dig. well, okay. The baby reacts to being tickled. So, well, which by the way, up. that always gets me. I thought that was a joke because they tickle the baby and Oscar sighs. Yeah, and the then baby. they're like, baby appears to be ticklish. I'm like, does he really? He seems really? bored. He, he doesn't a, really he seem ticklish. Amazing, amazing little <laughs> noise. <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't think uh, that's ticklish. That's more like, come on, guys, what else you got? They had two that stu- stuck out for me about that fall into that carry- category of it's a movie. We need to move things along. One was uh, Janine zipping up Lewis into Egon's spare oh, uniform. Yeah, and it's totally fitted to him, which it's, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, again, that falls squarely into, it's a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I mean, those, those flight suits are baggy and kind of, yeah, in theory, it's, one size fits all, even though all of our cosplaying friends out there will tell you they are yeah, not one size fits are. all, but. And, and to be, you know, to, to be, to, to be frank, when it comes to people's, uh, heights and stuff like that, the limbs change quite a bit. The, yeah, but the torso doesn't change quite as in the same proportion. So if you have like a shorter guy, he has shorter arms and legs, but the torso is not as you know it's not as proportionally. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'll, I mean, I I will give this particular whoever wrote this one. I will give them the credit that I think it would have been a funnier sight gag. If, if Lewis would have been in a baggy uniform yeah. that was way too big for him that he had to like roll the cuffs up on or something. and But this is one of those things, going back to what we were talking about, I kind of need to go back and watch it now to see, did they maybe roll up his cuffs so we just never kind of noticed? Or, I don't well, know. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah the that's other, a good point. The other one was Dana's got to get into the museum. So the cab screeches up, she gets out. And it drives off, and the person wrote, she never pays the driver, and she didn't get a receipt. I'm like, uh, okay, A, uh, you can throw money at a cabbie as you're, if you don't want yes. the tip back, you can throw a 20 at a cabbie yeah. and hop out real quick. And frankly, if you're going to save your baby from a, a, a supernatural wizard that's living in a, in a, in a, in a, <laughs> In a, yeah, a painting. you throw a $20 bill and you're like, keep the change, I'm out. Keep the Bye. change. I don't think on your brain you're going, I should I should maybe get a receipt. Can I write this off? <laughs> I should get a receipt just in case. I'll ask my accountant. I'll get the receipt and I'll ask my accountant. Oh, wait, my accountant is Lewis. Where the hell is Lewis? Like, But also, like, taking <sighs> a cab in New York and asking for a receipt, especially in the pre-credit card era. Yeah. You were asking for whatever amount of attitude that driver could probably give you. Like, I don't do the, receipts. The yeah, best they, the best you could hope for is the cab company's receipts was an empty uh, uh, lines on the <laughs> yeah. back of, of a card, like a business right. card. And the right. best that would happen is, you're, can I get a receipt, please? And they just throw they just a card at you. you the card. Empty. Yeah. They're like, you yeah. you, you fill it in. And it's I, I've like had when to you go do to that. Goodwill and they're like, do you need a receipt? You go, okay, yeah, sure. And then they just give you the empty thing for you to fill out. Like, well, okay, yeah. I've, I've actually had to file taxes where I have these things and I have to write in, yeah, I gave them... <laughs> 
I think it was twenty five bucks. I guess I don't know. It was one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. I donated a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. <laughs> Give me all the money back. Yeah. Uh, lots of little things. I really just want to take this list now and go watch. Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. I mean, things things like uh, the guys jumping through the the dome. They jump through half the dome that they the. The uh, Statue of Liberty smashes. In. Yeah, the other half is still there. But when the Statue of Liberty looks in, it's all gone. Like the, oh, the dome is entirely gone. Exactly. But it's a perfect example of you know it'd be easier if we could mat in the Statue of Liberty without all these stupid <laughs> yeah, bits of good point glass and crossbeam. You know stuff that's like exactly that. what happened. I'm sure. Yeah. But that's that's yeah. the kind of stuff. I mean, those continuity errors. Like I said, those those are the kind of things that I'm more forgiving about. But when I watch a movie with my dad, my dad is like. The glass is in his left hand now. I'm like, what? I, how did you... Are you not paying attention to the dialogue? How are you... Oh, whatever. Uh, yeah, so the the continuity stuff, That's the, I really need to go back and just sort of watch Ghostbusters 2 on a granular level and, and see that stuff. But, this is a, reading the Ghostbusters 1 list last week, none of the goof stuff surprised me. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep, yeah stuff that yep. I knew of. This this was a whole other ballpark. This was a whole other level. Yeah, this, this time they're like, uh, you can see the jumping pegs coming out of the bottom of the toaster. I'm like, yeah, we saw that. Yeah, and then it's know. followed yeah. by when Venkman traps the jogger ghost. He doesn't hit the pedal with his foot. Uh, like, yeah, that we know. What? Yeah. Uh, okay. That, oh, like, that I've always seen. Yeah, that's. I've never, I've never noticed. Like, I by that point, apparently, I'm just enjoying the movie. I don't, I don't. Yeah, really well, care. and it's in the middle of a montage, so again, you're you're caught up in the incite, the excitement of it, and it's a short shot and. Yeah, those those little things. But uh, yeah, I, and again, encouraging you guys, uh, hit us with your voicemails. What are things that you've noticed in Ghostbusters 2? Or even, not necessarily goofs, but questions that you've had. Like, why why would they be doing... Like, why would Egon have taken another job at a, at a, at a student facility? As a, why would he go back to being a college person? Why? He, he failed at that. He should be creating a business. He should be doing something else. Why did he go back to do studies? I, I just pulled that out of the air. I have no idea. I don't even think that that's relevant. But, you know, if you've got something, hit us up on the voicemail and uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to talk about these things. We're going to go back to Ghostbusters, the original film, and talk about some of the others that we didn't. But we want to talk more Ghostbusters, too. So hit that voicemail. Let us know. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. We're running long again, Chris. We are running long. But I beg your pardon. <laughs> I never promised you a rose garden. We're running long, but we've got great uh, music uh, in this episode uh, again. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, well, so I stole your final thought. Do you happen to have anything else to uh, 
to, to nope. bring us home with here? No? That's it. Actually, it's not a final thought, although it's... Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the air. Did I talk about Kixels? Uh, you on did. The air yeah, last you time? talked about them yeah. last week. Yeah. I had, uh, after the episode last, I was like, oh, well, I'm not ready to crash for the night. So I cracked it open and I found the, the, the Game Boy, uh, Your reference, whatever you're going to use too, too big. Like the, the, yeah. the, the, the pixel slimer was too big. So I found somebody else's little one and I'm trying to repurpose him and he's not quite there, but he's close, but I am happy that I'm doing Slimer because what I didn't realize is when I opened it up, it comes with a stand, a little glow-in-the-dark stand and this little clear plastic piece that once you fuse all these little plastic pixel beads together and pop the thing off, you can stick the the little clear plastic bit into the back and it looks like the the creature's flying. So I'm hell-bent for leather to make myself a little pixel slimer to sit on my desk nice well as you uh as you progress through it you'll have to put some photos up on proton charging so we can see it or yeah keep keep people informed i can do that excellent excellent all right well uh until next week everybody we will uh we'll be talking playmobil we've got a a special episode coming up here uh in remembrance of harold ramus uh fun fun things are around the corner so uh, stay tuned for more exciting crossrip episodes and until then we'll see you on the other side Who you gonna call? We thanks for joining the ghostbusters interdimensional crossrip visit us at protoncharging.com ghostbustershq.net and stillplayingwithtoys.net you're gonna be one of my two favorite shows you're kidding me oh great what was the other one Fastmasters. it's a fishing show Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. They want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird. Do you want to hustle? Do you want to salsa? Come to Rimba Simba Rabbit Rings and all the Hall and Missy Rimba in the room are right down the middle of Rimba Cardinal Simba Lavarunta Casalama Run with your lower door in Dossi Doss and call Salsame Salsame. Or if you want to find a dealer, Nisco deal and Disco to you, call Disco Hotline 681 1181 at Rimba Cardinal Simba Rimba Locas is Rona Cochoeva Health Spa.